0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you didn't get to hear the story last week, Please, 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 um, I, I know some of you are here for the first time I met you, you can go back on SaveTheCowboy.com, click on Watch Live, just because it says Watch Live, you can watch the other uh, archived uh, sermons, or you can go to YouTube and, and type in how Save the Cowboy got started, and uh, you can watch a better quality there, because we broadcast over the internet, it's, it's a real small, low-bandwidth type deal, so it's not... Kinda of look like a webcam or something like that, but you can go watch uh, a close-up, better quality on YouTube. Um, but basically, what I did is I told y'all about how I didn't, I didn't want to come up here. That that wasn't what I had planned, and God had another plan, and how through a prayer, one prayer that my wife prayed, it wasn't this big fancy, dear heavenly Father, Thou art mine. Blah blah blah. She said, "God, could you make my husband move to Colorado?" Something like that, paraphrased. I wasn't there for it, but from what she said, that's kind of how it was. And God did. He answers bold prayers. She knew that it was only God that would bring me up here because I've got the ranch in Texas. I, I had my house. I was raising my kids on on my, on this on this piece of ground that my dad was raised on. And my gosh, why would I ever want to leave that? But God asked me. He said. Are you willing to trade your dreams for my plans? And I said, yes, sir. And that's where we're going to pick up today. I'm going to continue how Save the Cowboy got started. And as marvelous and miraculous, I've had testimonies come in. I had people post on Facebook that that testimony of how Save the Cowboy got started changed their life, that now they are going to step out boldly and start what they know God is calling them to. Now I'm going to tell you the other side of it. I was the pastor of the Pecos County Cowboy Church, which consisted on an average Sunday of about 40 people. And when we finally came up here and we met Barry and Victoria Ward and we looked at the house and we said we'd take the house and, and we, we knew that we wanted to shoot for an Easter start date here for it. Save the Cowboy, I had never even thought of calling anything Save the Cowboy. This is way, we're just going to come up here and start a cowboy church, Okay, and so anyway we uh, we start making plans to do that, and I promise you this i I, re- I remember what happened was my biggest fear was I wasn't going to be able to support my family. And guys, any of y'all know exactly how that feels to go. How am I going to be able to provide for my family? And the last thing that I was that I was waiting on was whether or not, now I was working basically from home with my two jobs. Now, obviously, the Pecos County Cowboy Church, if I quit there and moved up here, they weren't going to pay me anymore. So I knew I was going to be losing that salary. But I was hoping that I could keep those other salaries and move up here and do my job from up here. And so I was like, how am I going to ask them? How am I going to tell them? You know, I was working up this grand deal. And finally, I asked Christy, I said, is there any doubt of yours that God is calling us up there? You know, kind of like John the Baptist did. John the Baptist, the first time he he saw Jesus, you know, when Jesus started his ministry, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then later on, while he's in prison waiting to die, he sends his disciples to Jesus and goes, are you really the one? So, you know, and I'm not definitely not comparing myself to John the Baptist, but I had questions. I had fears. And I said, honey, is there any doubt in your mind that God is calling us to Colorado? And she goes, no, not in mine, in yours. And I said, no, ma'am. And so at that moment, we decided it didn't matter if we, if I get to keep my job or anything like that. We were coming regardless and God was going to provide for me and my knees shook at what might happen, but my faith stood strong. You can actually do that. Your knees can shake without your faith, you know, and, and I know that that sounds like a, 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 paradox or something, not a paradox. That, that's like two, two birds, but a paradox. And that's not where you park a boat, okay? D-O-X. Um, y'all didn't think I knew that big word, did you? <laughs> one of the first things that happened whenever we made that decision, right then, is I went to one job and I said, hey, I got good news and bad news. I said, what? I said, God's calling me to Colorado, but I can still do the job that you're paying me for if you'll let me. Mm, will you do it if I cut your salary in half and we'll try it for a year and we'll see? Done. So there was one job drove all the way to Abilene, Texas to meet with Kelly McCarty, the owner of McCarty equipment. I said, Kelly, God is calling me to Colorado. I've got to go. I'm leaving, but I still want to work for you. I've done you a good job for nearly 10 years and I'll continue to do a good job if you'll have me. He said, even if I cut your salary in half, I said, yes, sir. He said, we'll try it for one year. So I was moving up here, drastically reduced, but still I was going to be able to keep, you know, be able to provide for my family. You know, starting a church isn't easy. And, you know, I had, I had no idea what would happen, but nothing that would happen up here could have prepared me for what happened down there. One of the, probably a month before my last day, which was March 1st of 2011 or 2010, I don't remember one of those, whatever three and a half years ago is, and, um, Around end of January, first of February, I've got two little sisters. One of them is a, uh, is now a sophomore in high school and my other one's a freshman in college. So, you know, I'm 21. Allison's like 19. Kaylee's like, you know, 16 and stuff like that. So, uh, my little, my youngest sister, she, I show up to church and she comes walking in and she goes, Dad won't be here today. He's got it coming out both ends. I said, You tell him to stay home. I don't need that. She goes, No doubt, huh? No big deal. And I preached a sermon called "Giving God Your Best." And later on, that and and that comes into play later on. About five o'clock that afternoon, I get a text from that same little sister, and she said, "We're on our way to the emergency room with Dad." I said, "Man, if Dad is going to the emergency room, is he? Is he like conscious? Because I mean, that man never goes to the typical old cowboy. He ain't going to the doctor. He must be so unconscious." She goes, "No, he said take me to the hospital." I said, "Dang, that boy is sick." I said, all right, Christy's cooking supper. I'm going to eat some supper and then I'll head up there. She said, okay. Before I finished eating, my stepmom said, called me and she said, Kevin, they're life flighting your dad to Odessa. I said, well, what in the world is the matter with him? And she said, they think he's got a blocked colon. I was like, all right, well, you know, they're going to roto-rooter him or, you know something like that, redo his plumbing. I mean, worst case scenario, maybe one in bags or something, but shoot, we can live with that. That ain't no big deal. My God is bigger than that. And so you fast forward, this is about six o'clock and at midnight, my dad is in the ICU at Medical Center Hospital in Odessa, Texas. And I am standing there and a a surgeon walks up and he's like from, I think he's like Romania or something like that. That's kind of how his accent sounded really nice guy. And he said, are you, are you with Mr. Weatherby here? And I said, that's my daddy. And he said, well, your dad has had a small bowel infarction and, uh, there's a 80 to a 90% chance that your dad will pass away. And I went, what? And he said, yes. And I said, well, can't you just put the bag in or something? He said, that's large intestine. The blood supply has been cut off to your dad's small intestine and your dad's small intestine is dead. There's no treatment. There's no nothing. She, he said, we're going to go in there and we're going to take a look and you have to have, uh, five or eight inches. I think it was five inches. You have to have five inches Griffin saying six, six inches of small intestine to live. And so I looked at him and even now my heart is pounding and remembering what that felt like because me and my dad were supposed to pull up T posts the day before on the ranch of an old fence that we took down and he needed some T posts. My, my, there's nothing wrong with my dad. And he, and I said, 80 to 90% chance, hon. He said, yes. And I looked that man square in the eye and why I said this, I don't know. I didn't know at the time, but I looked at him and I said, 80 to 90% chance is just when my God gets warmed up. He said, are you a believer? I said, you dang right. I am. And he said, then you should pray because that's the only thing that's going to save your dad. So I walk in there and I watch a surgeon tell my dad that there's an 80 to a 90% chance that he's fixing to die. And he looks at that doctor and then he looks me right in the eye. My stepmom's sitting over here and he looks at me and he goes, wow, that's a trip. My stepmom had to get up and leave. She just lost both her her real dad and her real mom and her stepdad within a four-year period. And now she's going to be losing her husband. And I was sitting there and I was looking at my dad and my stepmom walked out and he's got this faraway look in his face. I said, dad, what are you thinking? He said, I need to get that fence built for those horses. I said, doctor, just told you that you're about to die or there's a really good chance that you're about to die and you're thinking about building a fence for horses? He said, you asked me what I was thinking. Isn't that just like an old cowboy? Always looking for something else, to care for somebody else. He didn't really care. He wanted those horses taken care of because those horses were what his daughters rodeoed on. And I mean, it's just like him. And so I went over there in a black hat that looked just like this. I said, dad, we got to have a talk. I said, I got to know that you're saved. And he said, oh, son, you don't have to worry about that. I said, I'm not going to worry about it till I hear you say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior with your mouth. And he said, son, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I said, and I want to hear you ask Him for the forgiveness of your sins. And I took my hat off and I threw it in that hospital room floor. And I got down on my hands and knees and I held my dad's hand as he said, God, forgive me of my sins. And no matter what happens, care of my family. And when he got done, I laid my hand on his stomach and I said, God, I ain't got no right to ask you what I'm fixing to ask you. And I said, but you said that you were willing and I'm going to pray right now that you heal my dad, not based on anything that he's ever done and not, but dang sure not based upon anything that I've done because we don't deserve it. But you said that you were willing and God, I call on you right now that you are the only one they can do this, and all glory and honor will be given to you. And we said amen. And nothing much was said after that. They came and they got him for this exploratory surgery. The last thing that I said to my dad before he went into surgery is I looked at him and I said, Hey weatherbird, see that's what we call each other, not weather bee, but weather bird, I said, Hey Weatherbird, and he looked up at me and I said, You get your mark out, and you ride this for eight seconds. You come back to me. He said, I will. So I went in there, and for an hour and a half, that was the longest hour and a half I've ever spent in my entire life, but about halfway through this, I looked down, and I had this little cross that went on a refrigerator, but it looked like it was made out of leather. It was ceramic or something, but I I was holding that, and I was just kind of praying, and I didn't bow my head or anything, but I prayed to God, and I said, God, I preached a sermon this morning called Giving You Our Best. And I said, I talked about how I was on a radio, a national radio show, and this fella had sent me the question so that I would be prepared. But halfway through it, he pulls a Geraldo Rivera or an Oprah Winfrey and says, well, Kevin, I know that you say that the Cowboy Church is a come as you are, but don't you think that we should give you that we should give God our best? And I said, well, how about that fellow that's been up with that colt all night long, that's colicking or something, and he ain't had no sleep, he ain't showered, he ain't put on deodorant, he ain't shaved, he ain't done nothing, but about nine o'clock in the morning, he decides to give God that colt, and he goes into church and sits down in the front row to worship God, and he's been up all night, and he's got mud from his waist down. And I said, and he's sitting next to a fella in a three-piece suit, and I ain't got nothing wrong with three-piece suits. And I said, but Mr. Radio Broadcaster Guy, which one of these two men has given God their best? And he said, well said. And as I prayed... Holding that little cross, I said, God, I prayed a prayer this morning called giving you our best. Well, I don't have anything better than that man laying in there. But you know what? Right now, God, I do not care what the outcome of what happens in that surgery. I give him to you right now. And if it's his time to go, you take him and you wrap him in your arms. And if you give him back, I will give you all glory and honor either way. And it was the hardest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. My brother was stuck in Las Vegas sitting. He said that he was sitting there at a slot machine just staring at it because he couldn't get home, didn't know if he'd ever see Dad again. My sisters and my grandmother sitting in the waiting room, we didn't tell them that he was going to die. They just thought he was having surgery. The burden of this was just weighing on me, and I just turned it over to God. I was drinking coffee like it was going out of style, and I'd gone to the bathroom, and I came walking back out, and I saw one of the nurses that had taken him in. And I looked at her and I made eye contact and see the surgeon had said that it would take about an hour and a half and that he would come out and he would either say everything's fine or I'm sorry. And he said, it's a 100% guarantee. If I tell you it's fine, your dad will live and he will be just fine. And if I say, I'm sorry, there is not a shadow of doubt. Your dad will pass away. And I made eye contact with this nurse and I hadn't seen the doctor yet. And she looked at me and she smiled real big. And I said, you can't do that to me. I said, how's my dad? And she goes, you haven't talked to Dr. (laughs) And I said, I said, no, he hadn't come in yet. And she goes, well, you need to, you have to talk to him. And then she smiled and she goes, your God is awesome. And I said, amen. And so I walk in this door into the waiting room and the doctor walks into this one and he takes off. He still got the, the thing over his mouth and he takes it off and he makes eye contact with me and he goes, you sir, have a mighty God. And I said, Amen. He said that when they got in there, they opened him up and he had exactly six inches of intestine that was alive and as healthy as yours or mine. They cut the dead part out and that my dad would be just fine. The next day they called him the miracle man of medical center hospital. He probably had 60 doctors come in there because they had proof that the CAT scan showed that his entire small intestine was dead. But when they opened him up, there was just enough alive. And today, I give all of the glory and honor to the one that made that possible. That was the first hard thing. And you can't categorize them as this was harder than this, then harder than this, then harder than this, than harder than this. But the second thing that happened is that we had a little girl named Rebecca. She was four years old and we were going to adopt her and bring her up here. And the state of Texas said that that was absolutely fine. And then one month before we were supposed to leave, this is right, this is going on at the same time dad gets sick. As a matter of fact, I was on the phone with the guy regarding this subject while I was waiting on my dad to be airlifted. See, the state of Texas said that they would let her, us bring Rebecca up here and that we could adopt her. And then we made arrangements to move up here. It was a done deal. And then they came back and they said, you know what? We've changed your mind. We'll be out to get Rebecca in one week. I will not tell you what that week was like. I will tell you that I bawled my eyes out whenever they peeled her off my leg. It hurt. That was the second thing. The third thing was right before we left, I gave away a black mouth cur dog that would have given her life for me because we wasn't going to have a fence out here. We gave I gave away a blackmouth cur dog that would give her life to me. I gave her to uh, some people that had some stock. I gave away a solid black Catahoula that was the funniest dog and coolest dog you ever seen in your life. I gave them a, him away to a rancher, and then we gave away Riley's dog. That the whenever me and Christy had first moved in, I, I had given her Holly a little blue healer. And we had to give Holly away, but the one dog that we kept was a dog named Ziggy, and it was my wife's dog, and it was my best friend. Slept with us, awesome dog, fantastic dog. We got in the truck, uh, we were leaving the next day, and we got in the truck, and Ziggy was out running around, and he always wanted to go with me, and Ziggy jumped in the back of the pickup, or, you know, in the, my door was open, he jumped in, and he jumped into the back part of the pickup. And I, I hollered at Christy. I said, Christy, she's like, yeah, you cleaning. You know how it is when you're trying to move. I said, Ziggy's going with me. She said, okay. So I shut the door and we had an old cement tank that, that we threw trash in and then we'd burn it every now and then. And I was going to that and I and I was going across the ranch to this deal and I had to open a gate and here come all the horses. And the horses thought there was feed back there, but there was just a bunch of trash sacks. And so they start trying to pull stuff out. You know, hey, if you got horses, you know what it's like. And so I'm trying to get the gate shut real good and everything like that. And then um, Ziggy's out and he's barking at him. He's not really doing anything. They don't care about Ziggy. And so I said, Ziggy, get back in the truck. So Ziggy goes over there and he gets back in the truck. And I go over there and I jump in and I close the door. And all of a sudden in my rearview mirror, I see a horse reach in and grab this sack. And I went, what? What I didn't know is I thought Ziggy had jumped in, but he had not. He died in my arms. And I told him, I said, just go, just go. I love you, boy. And if you ain't never cried over an animal, that is a greater travesty than ever suffering through the loss of one. I love that dog. And so I went, I threw the trash away and I, I took care of Ziggy and I had to go back to the house. And But right whenever I laid him in the back of the truck after he had passed away, I got in that truck and I shut it and I beat that steering wheel till my knuckles were nearly bloody. And I told the devil, I said, you will not stop me from doing what God has called me to do. You will not, no matter how hard you make it on me, no matter if you try to take away my daddy, no matter if you take away my daughter, no matter if you take away my, my one of my best friends, you will not stop me from going to Colorado and doing what you what God has ordained me to do. And I had to go back in and I had to walk up to Christy who was doing some dishes. I said, honey, I ran over Ziggy. She had to comfort me. So we moved up here with heavy, heavy hearts. See, last week I told you about all the miraculous things God did. But when you truly start following God, I guarantee you that devil will put a bullseye on you and he will do everything in his power to stop it from happening. He doesn't know. He can't see the future like God can. He's not a God. He's just an angel. He cannot see the future, but he knows what happens. The power that comes from somebody following God. We got up here we moved up here and we started trying to find a place to have services. We went and looked in Elizabeth at the little, uh, park there by the, uh, deal, whatever that's called. And, uh, they wanted, you know, we couldn't rent it every Sunday and everything. We'd heard that there was a cowboy church here number of years ago and we didn't really, not, not in a bad way, but we didn't want to be associated with that cowboy church because it didn't do that great. But I, I, I'm, I have faith that no matter how long it was here, I hope it bore some fruit, but every door was closed to have a, a, a service up, uh, you know, anywhere in Elbert County, except the fairgrounds. And I came up here and I met with Miss Carol and she said, we would love to have a cowboy church here. There's only a couple of times a year that it's rented, but you can rent it every single Sunday. And, um, here's a guy's name named Brad Henderson. You ought to call him. He's with the Fellowship of Christian Cowboys. And between that time, I got invited to Dallas, Texas to meet with the Nazarenes about becoming a Nazarene pastor because they wanted to start cowboy churches. And I won't make a, I won't make a long story out of that. But basically at the end of this two day deal, I had a Nazarene, big, big time Nazarene guy walk up to me and offer me a $50,000 check to start a Nazarene cowboy church. And God said, "Uh uh, You're not going to depend on some denomination's money. You're going to depend on me. So I turned them down. Well, I met with Brad Henderson over here at the pizza place. And I, I'm trying to talk to Brad. I think Michaela or somebody was calling because they had a, one of their steers were out. And so he's answering phone, trying to tell them, oh, I'll be there in a second. Just do your best and everything. And he's trying to be nice and talk to me, but it's kind of a wreck meeting. And so anyway, I talked to him. We probably talked for about 20 minutes or so. And, if I, and I've never met this guy before. And I'm sure you thought, and Brad's here. He's sitting over there in the green shirt, if you don't know who he is. And um, I'm sure Brad was thinking, who the heck is this? what? <laughs> you know, I said, I said Brad, will, will somebody come to a cowboy church in Elbert County, Colorado? He said, well, we kind of tried that and it didn't go that great the first time. He's, and I said, how many people would come to a cowboy church in Elbert County, Colorado? He said, oh, within the first year, you might have 50 or 60. And I said, God didn't bring me up here for 50 or 60. I said, within the first year, we'll have 250. And he said, wow, that's stepping out in faith. And I know when he got home, he told Susie, that's a crackpot cowboy if I ever seen one. Big old Texan thinking he's going to bring 250 people in. But see, this Texan wasn't going to bring 250 people in. God was. And I watched as Lori Ferguson, who we did a memorial service for him the other day. I watched him every Sunday as he counted. First Sunday, there was like 76. And then the next Sunday, there was, I think it was a little less. It was like, because it was Easter Sunday, first Sunday. And then it kept creeping up and up and up and up and up. And finally, on Easter Sunday, one year anniversary, we didn't just hit 250. We had 325 on the one year anniversary. God is never late, but He's also never early. And I, you know what? I didn't, I didn't think about that whenever I was telling Brad. I didn't have this magical 250 number in. I didn't pray about that number. I just said that number in faith. And I'm here to tell you that, you know, against all odds, of how many times me and my wife and Griffin and Riley, how many times we could have quit, we didn't, but you don't need to quit either. God has a glorious plan, not just for me, but for every single one of you. And see, there was another guy, a guy named Jabez, that we've been talking about in First Chronicles chapter four, nine and 10. And see, Jabez, that little that, that guy, he's got two verses about him. That's basically the only part of the Bible that is about him, but yet he prayed a prayer and it says that Jabez was more honorable than all of his brothers and his mama named him Jabez because she bore him in pain and that's what Jabez means. And then he said, oh, that you would, bless, Jabez is praying to God and he said, oh, that you would bless me, that you would expand my territory, that your hand would always be with me and that you may keep me from all evil so that I may not inflict pain, amen. And then it says, and God granted him his request. Wow, one little prayer, a bold prayer. We talked about what being honorable means. We talked about how God blesses us, but more importantly, not the how he blesses us, why he blesses us. And today we're gonna talk about how I asked God to expand my territory, but not my territory, his territory. See, going from 40 or 50 in, in Fort Stockton, Texas to 250 here you know, in Luke sixteen ten, it said, the Bible says this, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large things. If you can be trusted with a little more will be given unto you. And wherever you are in your walk right now with God, do not. Think that God is like waiting on something more than you being faithful with what you have right now. Do not overlook the power of being content with what God has already given you. Do not try to jump ahead because every single one of you that have called on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is preparing you for works of service for his glory. In other words, he is preparing you to ride for his brand that he has called every single one of us as believers to do. Not just me, not just Ty, not just Jason or Brooke or or Doug or Eva or anybody else that helps us. He's called all of us to this. You know, sometimes it feels like nothing is happening. And I know that's how a lot of y'all feel. Man, you're just sitting there and you're like, God, what do you want me to do? I know you have plans for me. He's already fulfilling that plan. Be patient and grow in him because your relationship with God is the limiting factor in what you do for him. And someday you may have to sit in your truck, bawl your eyes out and pound the steering wheel and go, God, no matter what happens, I don't care, I will, or the devil, I don't care what you do to me, I will follow God, no ifs, no ands and no buts. You're gonna have to go through that. If you truly wanna ride for him, it ain't easy, but it is so worth it. See, I asked God to expand my territory from 50 to 250. And this past Easter, we had just shy 500 people. There's only 700 people in Kiowa. Isn't that crazy? See, there was 8,500 8, people in Fort Stockton, Texas. 8,500. There's only 700 in Kiowa. And right here in Kiowa, we brought five, God brought 250. And two years later, he brought nearly 500. What's he going to bring later? Amen. You know, going from 8,500 to, yeah, I was talking to a guy the other day and he said, well, you know, we got to work. You know, we're we're, we're trying, it's no secret. We're trying to buy some land down the road and we want to build our own headquarters. It's not a church. We're the church. We're not going to build a church. We are the church. But we want to get our own facility so that we can reach more people for Jesus Christ and do more things and have an honest to goodness headquarters for this international ministry called Save the Cowboy. But if you would have put pen and paper to it, it would have never worked. But see, in Isaiah 588, God says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. See, it's not our it's not our our uh our duty to understand what is God is doing. It's our duty to follow where God leads us. No matter what anybody else says, I had family members accuse me of being ungodly and unChristlike like because I was, leaving, I was leaving my dad who just had surgery. I said, God's been taking care of him since that prayer. He don't need me. I mean, I have family that still holds a grudge against me for coming to Colorado. Hadn't spoke to them. They won't speak to me. They blame me for losing Rebecca. But see, Rebecca was given back to her natural father. God knew that that would happen. We wouldn't have been able to adopt her anyway. But you see, God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Just because there was 8,500 people in Fort Stockton where there's only 40 or 50 people coming to church doesn't mean that you can't come to Kiowa and with God's blessing and being faithful in the small things that he wouldn't raise this up to a glorious ministry. You know, quit trying to figure what God's planned for you out. Quit trying to figure everything out and just follow him. It's not your job to understand. It's not your job to figure it out. It's your job to follow Be faithful in the small things. You know, I've I've had a lot of people that they say, you're you're trying to build this building and buy this land, you know. And and I I bet I've had this probably 20 times. People's asked me, well, have you prayed about it? (laughs) Not only have I prayed about it, people, I've sacrificed my life for this. I've sacrificed my life for y'all. I have been praying about this since day one, that God would expand my territory. And eight years, not quite eight yet, seven years later, it is coming to fruition. Seven years worth of praying for this to happen. And God is throwing open the doors. The landlord that I rent for right now, I didn't ask him if we could buy that land. My house burned to the ground and he called me while I was down there. And he didn't even know my house had burned down. He goes, hey, you want to buy this so you can build your church? Uh, Creepy. I didn't ask for this. God is paving the way so much so. And by the way, I'm going to say this right now. Chris, would you stand up, please? Stand up. I would like to say thank you for Chris Hadley for spearheading what I'm fixing to talk about right now. Give him a round of applause before you even know. Chris had the unenviable job of getting us financed. We've never made Save the Cowboy about money. We don't have any money, but yet we want to get all this money to do all this big stuff and everything like that. Every door was closed. You can ask him. He tried this avenue. He tried that avenue. He tried this avenue. And it was like nothing. And then last week, and the board of directors just met this morning, that we don't have to do any of that because our landlord is offered to carry the note. I will be giving y'all details about that. As we continue on, we will have to raise a down payment. And that down payment is going to be $80,000. And what I want you to know is what I keep hearing from God over and over and over is look what I can do. Not Kevin, that's God speaking. Look at what I can do. See, he's blessed a lot of y'all and he's blessed me. And I'm already saving up my money to be the first one to put a month's salary in the coffer so that we can get this land. And the other thing about this Chuck Goots, great friend of mine, asked me about a year and a half ago, he goes, when are you leaving? I said, what are you talking about? Chuck? He said, Oh, come on, man. You've had so much success that I know how this thing works. When there's a pastor and he does really, really good and everything like that, I mean, you're just renting and everything like that. When are you leaving? I'm not going anywhere. On this land is a small house and it ain't nothing fancy. (laughs) Ask the people that's been in it. It ain't nothing special at all. I was in the septic tank this past week. (laughs) Literally. When I woke up that morning, I did not know that I would have to go into a septic tank after a border collie dog that thought it was the horse trough. Dead serious. See, here's the deal right here, guys. Like the prayer of Jabez, we as Save the Cowboy, us... As Save the Cowboy are asking God to expand our territory. Not for our glory, for His. So that we can fulfill what He's asked us to do. So that we can continue the work. Not, don't worry about how we're gonna do this or what we're gonna do. There's gonna be so many things going on that everybody's gonna have a place. Not in everything. There's gonna be so many things going on and so many outreaches and all the way to Guatemala, to Australia. As a matter of fact, I'm talking to a guy named Tobias Landman right now in Germany about starting a line camp in Germany. We are going to go into the world and make disciples of all men in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what he has commanded. You ready for your life to be changed? Get ready, because it's coming. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you so much. Even in the joy of the suffering that me and my family went through, God, I praise your name. And I thank you for the powerful testimony of how you were so intricately involved. Even during the pain of our lives, the hardest time that we've ever faced, that you were there with us. And God, I know that you want to be here with them too. God, lay your hand on them and strengthen them to do what you have called them to do. God, you have blessed these people here in Elbert County and the surrounding communities more than we could ever imagine. And God, we are going to take all of our gifts and we're going to use them for your glory and your glory alone so that others may experience you like we have. God, prepare us all to ride for you and to make it worthy beyond anything that we could imagine. And it's in your name that we pray, amen.